Hi, I'm Ryan Becker, and you're listening to the Rock Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church Official Sermon Archive. You can find more information about our church at www.rockhillsdachurch.org. We hope by listening to this message that you are encouraged and challenged in your walk with Christ. Been an interesting week for you? Amen. Amen. Interesting? Yes. God's done some good things for you? Satan's tried to slap you down a couple of times? Angels have fought for you? Do you know that? Are you aware of that? Angels fight for you. They stand between you and the evil one with swords drawn. That's a great thought, and I think we forget that because we don't see it. We can't see it. We're so limited. We are so limited in what we can see. So what can we see? We see stuff. Right? We see lots of stuff going on. When I started looking at at this, because I wasn't sure, I think I told you last week, what I was supposed to talk about, It's like, how do you get through every day? I was having some, I was having some health problems. You know, I've been very, very sick in December and January. And how? And sometimes it was, I just couldn't get another breath. I just like, Lord. And I, there was a moment where I said, Lord, I can't breathe. Can you give me one more breath? Just a deep breath. And I'm like, how do I make it through today? Just today. I'm not worried about tomorrow. I just got to make it through this day. So I started looking at Romans 12, which is how to live life. It's really good instructions for how to live life. Do I need to back up? Oh, every single day. And I, I remember last week I said, the opening is a little bit scary. Uh, present yourself a living sacrifice. I don't know if that's probably number one on the hit parade of what I want to do. Because a sacrifice is kind of important and it's kind of final. How many people have ever come back from being sacrificed? Can you name me one? How many doves, how many calves, how many goats ever came back from being sacrificed? Now Isaac got really close. His father had that knife in the air. He was ready, he was ready to take his son's life, but God stopped him. So maybe Isaac. Jesus. Ah, thank you. There is one. Present your bodies a living sacrifice like your Savior did. And Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, kind of gives us the rules. But we have to be a living sacrifice, which is, an, which is a reasonable thing for us to do. And we talked last night about every uh, last week about everybody being different, and everybody has different functions. Everybody has different jobs. Everybody has different gifts. 
Thank goodness we don't all try to be the big toe. Now, the big toe is very important for balance. Do you know that, now some of you are old enough to remember World War II, as you were young people, but do you know that there were boys that would shoot off their big toes so they wouldn't be drafted? Because you couldn't march. Think about it for a minute. You're, you're sitting right there. Push your feet down on the, on the floor really hard. Push down. Where's most of the weight going for your balance? It's on your big toe, isn't it? And even in the Vietnam era, I had two high school buddies that were A1. Cannon fodder. That's what we call them. Rice patty daddies. And one of them, his father paid a surgeon to surgically remove his right big toe so that his son would not be drafted. The big toe is very necessary, but we are not all the big toe, are we? How many Christians do you know that do serve the balance? You know, do you know Christians who are really well balanced? They seem to always be on an even keel, always seem to have a good spiritual relationship and a, and a good social relationship with people. I wish I was one of those. And I envy those people, that they're able to just always seem to be leveled out. I'm not a big toe. I'm sorry. I think I'm the pinky finger, quite frankly. Kind of useless until you really need it, and then it gets kind of worn out. I don't know. Maybe I'm an earlobe in the body of Christ. Because I, I tend to listen. I'm a good listener. But we started talking about the practical application of this in verse 9. And if you have your swords open to chapter 12 in the book of Romans, stick your finger in there. Let, let's look at it together. 9, we talked about let love be without hypocrisy. Now that one's tough. We're commanded to love, but it's got to be real love. And we all know that without the power of God's presence in us, we can't do it. Because people annoy the boobs out of you. Like, I'm going to fight you out of mud. I just can't stand you. You ever have somebody like that? And that's a child of God I'm talking about right there. And you just want to just knock them into next Tuesday. Supposed to be loving that person. So I smile at them and shake their hand. I might even give them a hug. And inside I'm going, if you only knew the way I really feel about you, you'd run the other direction. Right? We've all done it at least once. Be honest with yourself. You've done it at least once in your life. We have to fight that. We have to let him love through us. One of my prayers, and I pray a lot, is, Father, I don't love this person. You need to love them through me because today I don't love them. I just don't. I, I Rebecca, cannot love this person. This person annoys me. This person has hurt me. This person is as phony as a $3 bill. 
talk. I can't love them when I come in contact with them today, so you've got to love them through me. That's hard. We are to be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Now, if you had known me and my brother, you would say, oh, neither one of those two are Christians. We got along about as well as a lit match and a piece of dynamite. We fought constantly from the beginning on up, all through our teenage years, even as adults. I did not like my brother very much. But through the grace of God, I did love him because he was my brother and he was a child of God and he was a child of my parents. And I found it that I could love who he was when I saw him in that light, when I could look at him through the eyes of my father. But when I looked at him through Rebecca's eyes, I couldn't stand him. I did not like my brother. We did not get along, we did not hang out, we did not do things together. We, had, we were two totally different people. But we're to be kindly affectionate. Was I ever mean to him? I tried not to be. I tried to treat him with respect that I owed him as my brother. And because I knew he knew the Lord and I knew the Lord, I have to do that because my daddy expects it. So how many of our brothers and sisters do we look at through our eyes and not through his eyes. I'm guilty of it every day. I will, I'll plead guilty every day. I start looking at people through Rebecca's eyes. And my stomach ties in a knot. And my heart starts to harden. And my brain goes to that place where it should never go. And then a still, small voice in the back of my heart says, Rebecca, my eyes, please. My eyes, please. Stop looking at them through your eyes. We are not to prefer ourselves over others. Ooh, we talked about that one. There's a hard one. In honor given preference to one another. How many of us want to be at the first of the line when that dessert bar opens on our potluck days? Oh, come on, you've thought about it. That beautiful cake that someone's brought in or that pie or that, with me, it's Ruth's fruitcake. I want to make sure I get to the fruitcake. Because I love it. And sometimes, if I'm not near the beginning of the line, and by the time I get over there, there's like three crumbly pieces that are kind of broken up. And then I'll scoop those right off onto my plate because I like them. Okay, now we've talked silly about the potluck. Now let's talk about life. <coughs> How many of you have tried at least once in your lifetime 
Put yourself ahead of someone else. Me. And it's not in big things. It's in little things. Most of us have lived in a house with other people. I used to dash to get the bathroom first. My brother, you know. I kind of thought he was a pig sometimes because he was a boy, you know, when I was young. And I didn't want to be in the bathroom after he'd been in there. Okay, that's a silly, simple little example, but it speaks to us putting ourselves first. How many of us could have done a service for someone else, but we chose not to because it would inconvenience us? It would put us out. We'd have to go a little extra, or we'd have to delay something we wanted, or we would have to do something that perhaps we really didn't want to do. All the time, right? And we can't help it. We can't help it. We do it and we don't mean to do it. And then we find that little voice. The Holy Spirit speaks and says, oh, but I gave you that chance. Why didn't you take it? And our heart breaks and we feel bad, but that opportunity is gone. That opportunity is gone. And you may not ever get it again. And I have disappointed my father because I did not act like the child he wanted me to act like. We're not to be lacking in diligence. What does that mean? I'm going to give you a really good example because it's going to come up on the 18th, the weekend of the 18th. Now, maybe not for everybody, but it's going to come up. At least one of you is going to think this. Sunday morning, I was at church yesterday. I really don't want to go to that business meeting. I really don't want to go. They don't really need, I don't really need to be there. to meet with your brothers and sisters to do the Father's work in a sober and responsible way. You know who said that when they first said it was going to be Sunday morning the 18th? I was sitting at board meeting two weeks ago. Does it have to be Sunday morning? That was the first thing in my head that you were sitting right there, Pat. Ruth, you're sitting right there, and I don't know if you saw my face. I went, like that. I didn't want, I didn't want. I got other things to do. Sunday's the only day of the week that Kenny and I don't have to be somewhere doing something for somebody else. And I'm jealous of that day. Don't be lacking in diligence. We are here to serve him and by serving him, we do what? We serve others. In love, kindly affection toward each other. Fervent in spirit. Fervent. Comes from where we get the word inferno. It means heat. Kenny will stand up here sometimes. Good morning, church! And we hear, good 
worthy. Not fervent in spirit. And he'll do it till he gets some fire going in you. We are to always burn in our spirit to do what the Father wants us to do. That's hard. It's really hard. <coughs> Pat's talking about Can our sister Candy Funderburg. You know, Candy did a ministry until she was unable to do it that nobody ever knew who did. I don't think anybody knew who did this. But on your birthday, you got a birthday card. And at Christmas, you got a Christmas card. And Candy burned to be here and to be in his house, but she was not able. So she served him quietly. Nobody knew who it was. People, I, people say, oh, I got a birthday card from the church. Who sent that? I, I've heard that said. Well, that's Candy. Serving her father fervently in her spirit. Verse 12, oopsie. My feet, my toes just started to hurt because God's stepping on my toes right now. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Uh, let's start with the first one. Thank you for choosing the songs that you chose this your song you chose this morning, Ruth. Rejoice. Rejoice. He chose, it. he chose it. There you go. Rejoice. Rejoice. It's a big word. Rejoice in what? And what was, the, what was the verse in Sabbath school this morning, Vivian? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The substance, the real stuff that you're hoping for. Rejoice! Your father's already got it. It's got a label on it. It's got, it's got a dino label with your name on it. He's holding it steady for you and protecting it in glory until we join him. It's already got your name on it. You're his child. Rejoice. He owns everything. He owns the oxygen that you're breathing right now. That's his. He invented it. It's his. And he's giving it to you. Rejoice. The sun that keeps us warm. I watch my cats get in the front window. We have a bay window that has a curve out. And they will lay there. And flip, then they'll flip to the other side. The sun comes in and warms them. And they're just so happy. Rejoice! He keeps us warm. Rejoice in your hope. In your heart. Even though you don't see it. Those angels are out there with swords fighting for you. Right now, I have a feeling they're in a circle around this building. We can't see them. 
but they're protecting this place as we sit here so that we can worship him in safety and confidence. Rejoice in that hope, even if you can't see it. Okay, patient and tribulation. This is what I always have to ask forgiveness for. This is my weak spot. This is my glitch in the matrix, for those of you who know that term. This is the fly in the buttermilk for you country people. I am not a patient person. I want it and I want it now. Actually, I want it yesterday. I am not patient. I don't have that built into me. I know it's a fruit of the Spirit. Anybody, what, anybody have favorite fruits like bananas? Anybody like bananas? Apples? Oranges? Grapes? Kiwi? Star fruit? Ugh. Some people love star fruit. I tasted it one time, I spit it out of my mouth. Nasty fruit. That's what I call it. Everybody know what, you know what I'm talking about, star fruit? You ever seen it? Okay. I don't like the taste of it. But it's a fruit. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. I don't have very much. <coughs> I tend to spit it out of my mouth when it's required. And not just patience, but patience when. <coughs> in tribulation. When things aren't going the way we want them to go. When things are painful. When things are hard. When things we don't understand, we want to get through it. And we just want to put it behind us. And God says, Carolyn, my daughter, be patient. Wait. Be still and know that I am God. And this sweet sister does it. Not me. I try to go fix it myself. And I will tell you that that never works. When you try to fix it yourself, it's not going to work. Because he wants me to learn to be patient. And you know how he's doing it to me now? He's done it a lot of different ways over the years. I learned to work with animals. I learned to teach animals. And we have to be patient to teach some animals something. Some things. I worked with horses for a long time. Worked with dogs. And now he sprung on me in the last part of my life. Three-year-olds. And four-year-olds. channel into that spirit patience because my parents tell me the parents of my children say how can you be so patient with her she's not like this at home 
And here's the answer I give them. It's not me. I'm not being patient with her because I'm frustrated just like you are. And it's a chance for me to witness to a parent and say, it's just the grace of God that gives me the ability to sit here and do the right thing for your child. And I've had so many opportunities to witness to families because he has made me be patient with a four-year-old. And I tell you what, a four-year-old is tribulation. Okay, just, just trust me. If you've never been around a four-year-old, trust me. A four-year-old is the definition of tribulation. Okay. Here's another one. Verse 13. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Now, what do the saints need? <coughs> Blanche, what's something you need that, that one of us as your Christian brother or sister could do for you? Anything you can think of? Can I pray for you? Yes. I can pray for you. Can I give you a hug? Sure. Can I give you a smile? Yeah. It doesn't mean make their house payment for them. It's not what it means. It doesn't mean take them shopping and let them... Distributing to the needs of the saints. Brother Tom, you ever need an encouraging word? Ever need just, just somebody to say, hey, have a good day. God has given me some beautiful Christian sisters in the last few years. And I've developed a really close relationship with one of the ladies that I work with. And last week she went for a needle biopsy because her mammogram was bad. And she just got the word. She has breast cancer. And the first person she sent a text to was me. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Be there. Be there. Don't just say you're going to be there. Be there. Last night, I was talking with, because I, I had actually had a, a recital Thursday night and last night, and I was there with a couple of the other women who <coughs> work at Masterworks, and what we did, we went in the back room, and we prayed for Sheila. And we said, when she gets back here next week, we are going to lift her arms. We're going to be her arms. Like Moses, remember when his brother and Joshua held his arms up? We're going to be her arms, and we're going to lift her to the Lord. What the outcome is, we do not know at this point. But we're going to be there for her in this time of need. Given to hospitality. A lot of us misunderstand this word. We think we have to have people in our homes. That's part of it, yes. Be open. If someone needs a place to sleep or somebody needs our, or, or communion and we, and we want to be with someone, we invite them into our homes, right? Hospitality. 
What do you do for the people who you live with? What are some things you do? Think about it. Some of the things that you do. Whenever I buy groceries, I usually end up with a big thing of cat litter in the trunk of the car that's heavy because I buy the big ones, industrial strength, because I have industrial strength cats. And I'll bring the groceries in and I turn around and Kenny's brought in the cat litter. I, I get ready to go back out. He said, oh, I've already brought it in. What do you do for your family? What are the things that you do for your family? I love my brother Gordon because he's there at that door. Angie, I see you sitting there waiting to welcome into the house of the Lord those who come. Thank you, Gordon. Thank you, Angie. And others who do the greeting. That's hospitality. And we, we say, stay for lunch. Stay for lunch. We're, we're having a meal. Stay. Break bread with us. Let us talk to you. Be hospitable. Talk to people. Verse 14. Tough. Bless those who persecute you. I don't know how we can do that without having him inside of us. And I have to tap into that part of Christ that said on the cross as he was dying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I can't say that. Rebecca is incapable of saying that. Only the Holy Spirit living inside of me, loving others through me, can say that. Don't, don't curse. Now, that doesn't literally mean saying something out loud. But in your heart, have you ever wished ill to another person? That's bad. That's, just, uh, that's sin. And it grieves my father when that happens. Have you ever wished that against another one of his children? Oh my. Because I want you to understand something as you sit here this morning. When you wish ill to one of your brothers or sisters, you're wishing ill to yourself because we are all one body. And if, if and I've seen this happen in congregation after congregation. I've, I've worked in so many different churches. I think I'm on my last one. But I've worked in so many churches where the churches tore themselves apart. They would take, literally, from the inside out, they would tear themselves apart because they wished ill to each other. And they couldn't get along. And churches would split. And people would, would leave active worship anywhere because of the model that Christians had portrayed to them and they had not seen the love of God in the body. 
15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Be glad when good things happen to other people. If something wonderful happens in our praise time, please tell us about it so that we can rejoice with you. Don't be ashamed to praise God. Don't be ashamed to tell him what he has done for you. Why do you think he did it? I want you to think about this. Why does God do good stuff for us? Why? Yep, he loves us, obviously. Number one, he loves us. I think it's fun for him. It's fun for him. And what are we? You ever watched, now, I, like I said, I work with kids. And most of you have been around kids, at least a portion of your life. When somebody gets a really good present at a birthday party, what do they take to school with them the next day? Or they try to, unless it's a pony and then they can't do that, but. What, kind, what, what, is a kid, what does a kid do with their favorite or their favorite Christmas present? What do they do the first day school's back? They show it to everybody. Look what I got. Look what my mom and my dad got for me. Hey, you've been proud of things and you've loved things that your parents have done for you, haven't you? And you've told your friends about it. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to share his love with others. Rejoice when something good goes on. And don't sit over there going, well, I don't know why God did that for them. He never did that for me. Oops. I'm sorry, I'm talking about myself again. I'm talking about me. As a musician, you have no idea how many of my friends' weddings I did the music for while I was still single. You have no idea. I counted up one time. <sighs> 42. The girls I grew up with, the girls I went to college with, I did 42 weddings. And I'm still sitting there. Poor Rebecca. Gonna be an old maid. God just hadn't gotten me to the right place yet. But sometimes we do that. When someone, something good, something wonderful happens in another brother or sister's life, we're jealous. He never did that for me. Here's the other side of the coin. Look at the rest of the verse. Weep with those who weep. I know when Sheila comes into work on Monday, if she comes Monday, I'm not sure when she's coming back, we're going to cry. We're going to hold each other so tight and we're going to cry. Because I can share her sorrow. I can share her hurt and her fear and her uncertainty. Sometimes we try to be brave for someone who's hurting. We try to be strong. I remember after my brother passed away, I was the only one who could help my dad with my mother who was an Alzheimer's victim. And I had to be strong for both of them throughout that terrible time. 
My father found my brother dead on the bathroom floor and died of a heart attack. And I had to be strong for him, and I had to be strong for my mom. And then my mom went further and further and further into the Alzheimer's, and I had to be strong for my dad. And I was always happy and cheerful and you know, positive. And I wish now, looking back, that I'd put my arms around him and said, Daddy, do you need to cry? This woman you've loved for 48 years is leaving you. Do you want to cry? Because I'll hold you if you want to cry. And I didn't do that because I was being strong. You know what happened to me? After my mom went, my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And I looked around. There was nobody to be strong for me. Except for him. No more brothers, no more sisters, no cousins, no family. It was just me, by myself, a thousand miles away from the people that I had grown up with. You know what God did? He sent me somebody who could be strong for me. Because I was by myself, dependent on him. And I, and I told him I couldn't be strong for me. There's more to this. My challenge to you, my dear sweet brothers and sisters, is immerse yourself in Romans 12. If you have trouble living every day, if sometimes you just don't know how you're supposed to behave or what you're supposed to feel, read Romans 12 and ask the Lord to open your heart. <coughs> to open that part of you that you keep locked away. And he will guide you in all of your steps. Every single one of them, even the ones when you stumble. And as you go forth from here today, go forth rejoicing. But don't forget to weep every once in a while. Precious in the eyes of the Lord are the tears of his children. Remember, never forget that. I'm going to say it one more time and I'll be closing. We're going to sing, There is a name I love to hear. Is it? I'm my favorite song. Here it is, one more time. Precious in the eyes of the Lord, when he looks at us, are the tears of his children.